Welcome to the resource room. I'm Amanda, the blogger and TPTer behind the Primary Gal. As a special education teacher, you are always supporting others, students, parents, general education teachers. But who is supporting you? That's where this podcast comes in. It's my mission to give you the help and support that you need. I'll be sharing my tips, tricks, research-based strategies, and professional development. I'm here to help you grow and learn as a resource room teacher. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Well, hello, hello, and welcome to the Resource Room Podcast, where today we are going to be talking all about parents. Because for some of us, that is a big source of stress. That is something that maybe we're losing sleep over, we're wasting time on our prep because we're thinking about all of those things that we should or could or whatever um, with those parents. It is definitely 100% stressful for us. So I wanna share um, some things, I'm hoping more just takeaways, things you can keep in mind things to maybe um, change your perspective, change your thoughts a little bit. Um, I am not saying every relationship that I have with parents is perfect, but I do think that a big part of being a successful special education teacher is having very good relationships with parents because we're a team. We need to be working together. And so I wanna share what I do, not that it is one size fits all or going to solve all of your problems, but, I think there are some important pieces and something that we can maybe collectively work on some ideas of how can we make dealing with parents a little bit easier. Several years ago here in Indiana, I had the chance to listen to Principal Gary Brooks, who, you know, is hilarious and a comedian. And um, oftentimes you laugh because it's true at nearly everything that he says. And he was talking about our relationships with parents and uh, something that he said really stuck with me. And that was that if you have a parent who is coming forth with a concern, coming, you know, something that they're bothered by, and maybe they don't handle it the way we would professionally or, you know, whatever, they're coming for one of two reasons. And it is that they want to make sure that their child is either safe or happy. And at the heart of it, at the core, that's what all of us are wanting for our kids. They are wanting, or we are wanting for our personal children or our students that we're serving, we want them to be safe or happy. And so I think it is very important that as you are dealing with parents and as you are, you know, like eye rolling at the text message or the dojo message or the phone call to the office that you're getting, I hope somehow you can look at it and see that that parent is just wanting their child to be either safe or happy. All of that being said though, you have to realize that even though at the heart they're wanting their child to be either safe or happy, they are going to come at it in sometimes some very difficult, unusual, uncomfortable situations or circumstances. And so we have to do what we can to comfort them, reassure them, and uh, make the school experience something that is good. And so my first tip for today, you're gonna be like, gee, thanks, Amanda, I haven't figured that out. And that is that every parent or every person parents differently. 
Every parent, every person has different circumstances in which they are finding themselves in. Think of some of our um, family members who are parenting children that are not their own. Um, think of the mother who has tried and tried and tried for years to get pregnant and now her precious little baby is coming to kindergarten or is now in third grade and struggling or, or whatever. Every person has different circumstances and that is going to impact the way they perceive you, the things that you say, how much they do or don't read into what you're saying. Um, what needs explicitly said versus implied. You know, there's so many things and every parent that we have is different in their personality, in their life circumstances. And we, as the professional at that table, have to be the one to meet them where they are. We talk about this all the time with our students, but we have to do the same with our parents. We have to be ready to meet them where they are we have to kind of be able to read the room and tell what's going on, what do they need from us, um, and, and adjust accordingly. And to be honest, that's a skill. That is a skill that some people do not have. That is a skill that some people are working to acquire, and it's quite difficult. But that is a skill or maybe even something that we have to have reminders of. We have to keep thinking of things like that, like, okay, Amanda, this parent is thinking differently than you. This parent has a different history than you. This parent has more trauma than you. This parent, uh, you know, there are so many circumstances and we have to kind of be aware of all of those factors and be able to kind of check ourselves and say the right things and do the right things. Which brings me to my next tip. And to be honest, my next tip is just gonna sound like I remixed the golden rule. But I want you to treat every parent like you would wanna be treated. If you were sitting at the conference room table hearing the information that you're hearing as a parent, how would you feel about that? Would you be heartbroken? Would you be upset? Um, and if you're hearing some information that might be hurtful or stressful or upsetting, would you want to hear it from this cold, grumpy old woman? No, you want to hear it from somebody that you can tell cares about your child, is willing to put in the work for your child, understands your child. That's the person you want to hear information from. So I think sometimes we have to remember what it would be like. Now, I will be very honest. I have never been a teacher without also being a parent. So I was talking to a friend of mine a while back and she said, oh my gosh, I wish I could apologize to the classes I had before I had children because I it's just totally, completely different. You look at it through a different perspective. So if you don't have kids, I'm not saying you can't still be a great teacher. That's not at all what I'm implying but it is sometimes a little different once you have your own kids and you're like, man, all that homework I gave or all that stress I caused or, or whatever, I wouldn't wanna hear, say, do anything to my own child like this. I have to treat these parents like my own. Uh, the same is true for you know people then who maybe have adult children. Sometimes we can lose sight of the day-to-day -day and what's going on. What if it was your grandchildren? Remember what it was like when your kids were five years old or seven years old or whatever. 
I think sometimes we have to sit in that situation or kind of allow ourselves to think like those children are our own. What would it be like to sit across the table and hear all of those things? To me, I think it's important that when you are explaining, especially a child's weaknesses, or let's say it's an initial evaluation and you're going through all those data points or all of that you know, evaluation information, it is important to make sure that you're also sharing strengths. You're also talking about what they can do, not just what they can't do, because that's frustrating and scary and it, it's just a lot on our parents. One additional piece, especially talking about like an initial conference, first impressions mean a lot. People don't forget that or, or they might forget it, but it's going to take a long time of relationship building to finally get to the point where they're like, oh, she wasn't meaning to come off so grumpy. She wasn't meaning to come off so harsh. You know, so you got to kind of keep that in mind. The way you come off at that first conference matters. For me, even before that first conference, I am contacting parents. I am, you know, introducing myself, explaining the process, letting them know how they can get in touch with me. Hey, you're more than welcome to send me an email, call, text, use Dojo, whatever is kind of the method. I make sure I let my parents know that. And I try to always do that like from the get-go, from the time their name comes across my desk, I try to make sure they know who I am, what I do, how I'm there to help them answer any questions that they have. That way they always know I'm there and I am on their team. I will listen to them. I share their concerns or will at least listen to their concerns because to me that matters. And that is a first impression. And then for some of my parents, I've only talked to them on the phone or only communicated back and forth through a text message. But when they get to that initial conference, I kind of feel like I know them. Or I at least have an idea of how do they parent their child? What are their concerns? What are their worries? And I think that offers some comfort for them. That way they know somebody is on their side. Once those students are actually yours then, I feel like it is extremely important to make sure you are always, always, always communicating with those parents. And I have a couple of things that I do um, to share, but it doesn't have to be this. It could be really honestly anything that ensures you're communicating regularly. So for me, I like to always make sure that I'm sending positive text messages or uh, dojo messages, whatever you use. For me, I swore whenever I first started teaching that I would share my cell phone number with any and all of my parents until it bit me in the butt. 11 years later, it has not bit me in the butt yet, so I've still continued to do that. But I mean, set your own boundaries. I am not encouraging you to take work home with you and have parents contacting you at all hours, that kind of thing. But oftentimes I tell my parents, I have two kids of my own and I'm trying to cook dinner every night and take them to ball practices and all the things. I am busy too, but I will always answer you as soon as I can. So don't hesitate to send a message. Um, if I'm already asleep for the night, I'm gonna sleep right through it. 
If I'm up early, that's okay. I'll answer, you know, those kinds of things. But I would rather encourage them to communicate and to let me know than to be surprised or caught off guard when a behavior or an illness or, or whatever it is, is taking place. So I got derailed. Going with that, I share my phone number and that's what I do. Maybe yours is Class Dojo or Remind or whatever preference you have, that's okay. It's your classroom, your caseload, your students. You decide what's good for you and then share that with your parents. I try every single week to have a group of students that I am going to contact parents about. So usually what that means is, let's say, this year I'm only in fourth grade, so I'm doing it by class, like these two students in this class, these five students in that class, these four students across the hall, whatever. However, what I want to encourage you to do, or in years past, I split it up by grade level. So I'm gonna get these three kindergartners this week, these five first graders the next week, these eight second graders the next week. And so I just try to break it up so that I am deliberately looking for something that that child has improved upon, something nice or caring or whatever it is that they might have done throughout the week. And then again, I'm not encouraging you to break rules here, but for me, I take a picture of them, partly because I just love to take pictures, and then I send that to the parent. I send that to them with this celebration message of how great their child is or how much they have improved. And then with that, their parent gets to reply, their parent gets to praise them whenever they get home. And a lot of my, um, I teach in a very high EL population, a lot of my parents will even write back to me and I've got to use Google Translate, but I'm not letting that language barrier stop me from that because they can use Google Translate to read my message. I can use Google Translate to read theirs and type back and, and it works. If you use something like Class Dojo, it will translate it all for you. So you don't even have to, to do that but I encourage you to open that pathway and open that line of communication so that your parents know what's happening. For a lot of my kids, I don't ever really have to call home with anything negative. I don't ever have to call home and say anything bad or, or whatever, but when I do, they know I've seen 10 good things and yeah, I gotta call you and tell you that your kid did whatever, which is sometimes maybe a little funny, but I, I've already built a really good relationship with them and they already know, I know their child is wonderful and I also know children screw up and I also have to communicate those things with that parent. But that way it isn't like, oh my gosh, Mrs. Wilp is texting or Mrs. Wilp is calling. That must mean that my, my child's been a little turd today. I don't want that. I don't want them to like they're, they're ready to poop their pants when they see my name pop up on their phone. I want them to know that more times than not, it's positive. I am also one that I like to send postcards in the summer, especially I've had kids sometimes years and years. And so I like to send them a little something. Maybe it's a picture of them. Maybe it's a picture of us. Maybe it's a picture like me and that student together. Maybe it's something my family did. Whatever it is, I try to always make sure that I send them something or do something special for the students so that they know, even though it's summer, I'm still thinking about them. 
Now, all of those tips are great and wonderful and all that. However, I think the number one thing that I want to encourage you to do is to listen to your parents. Listen, listen, listen. Don't try to interrupt. Don't try to overanalyze it. Don't try to interject your thoughts or your feelings. Listen to them. Now, you can totally go back to your classroom and be like, do you know what this mom said? Oh my gosh, that's fine. Listen. Listen to what they have to say. Listen to their concerns and go back to why are they saying that to you? They are just concerned about their child being happy or safe. That's it. One of those two things. They might say it in a terrible way. They might say it in this overprotective, this mama's crazy kind of way. That's okay. At least they're saying it. At least they are comfortable sharing what they need. And maybe I'm wrong here, but I really do believe in like the mama gut. Your mama gut knows what your kid needs. And that teacher can sit across from you and think that they have all the answers. Think that they know just how to solve this problem. And they might. But your mama gut knows. You know as a mom or that person sitting there, they know. Now, maybe they're missing some information that you could like help educate them on. Or, oh, well, actually... You know, that's not how it works. They have to meet the criteria for autism at school too, not just at the doctor or whatever, you know. We can always educate them. We can always add two things. But then that comes into explaining it in a way where you are respected and they can understand that and they can ask questions, not like, oh, that grumpy teacher said he didn't have autism, but I filled out all the rating scales at the hospital. And yes, he does. You know, we've all had those situations. You know what I mean? So you have to say things in a polite and friendly and a professional way. But keep in mind that that parent is just wanting their child to be safe or happy. And no child is happy when they can't express what they need or can't learn or they realize that they are significantly behind their peers, they can't communicate, you know, their wants and needs, all of those things. We have to keep those in mind. Parents can be a source of stress, but I'm telling you, I would much rather have a sit down meeting or a nice conversation or a time where all I'm doing is listening to them. I would rather have that than them file a lawsuit or something like that or go to my principal or go to my superintendent. I firmly believe being a special education teacher requires you to be somebody who can read the room very well and figure out what kind of parent are we dealing with and respond appropriately. I also believe that parents have a whole lot more love, respect, consideration for you when you know their child well. So let's say you sit down to a meeting or you sit down for an initial conference and you are relying a lot on what maybe the school psychologist has to say or other members of the IEP team, which is fine. You can certainly do that. 
But I feel like it is more respectable when you can sit there and say, well, when I assess the student, when I worked with them, oh my gosh, you'll never believe this funny story or, you know, have something that shows their child, something that shows, you know, kind of what you love about them, what you're going to do to help them. Here are their areas of strength. Here are their areas of weakness. And what are you going to do about it? But if you're sitting there and it's like, oh, well, you know, I saw that the school psychologist said that, you know, he struggles with phonics. That's what we'll work on in my group. Okay, thanks. But phonics is a big freaking subject. What are you going to do? What does he do when he decodes a word? Those are the kinds of things that when you can describe that and the parent is like, oh, yes, uh, yep, that sounds like my kid. They're going to be thinking, oh my goodness, Mrs. Wolf doesn't even work with my child yet, but she already knows this and this and that. Oh man, this is going to be a great relationship. But that starts with knowing them, making time to get to know them, and having some really good assessments so that you can describe what they can do or what they cannot do. And that's what we're going to be talking about next week because I don't want to say, hey, make sure you know your kids really, really well and not share with you what you can do to help really make sure you know those students. So that's what we'll be talking about next week. So this kind of feels like a to be continued episode, but next week I'll see you and we'll talk all about assessments. Well, my friend, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to the Resource Room Podcast. I truly, truly love to help and support other special ed teachers. Because of that, I run a Facebook group just for us. Search the Resource Room and request to join. You can also check out my website, theprimarygal.com, for blog posts, pictures, and more information. Until next time, have a great week.